Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 21st of November 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com while it's up there. And there's lots of uh, free audios for download. There's also transcripts and all the sites you'll see listed on that, that, that com site uh, for print up of the talks I've given. And you can go into Alan Watt Sentient, Sentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. Member two, you are the audience that bring me to you because I don't bring on advertisers who really uh, disguise as guests to sell you things. And uh, I don't get money from the ads that you hear uh, even during the breaks here. I don't even know who the advertisers are. And it's just because RBN allows me to do this, uh, I can get the word out. And it's had some effect, quite a, f- a good effect, actually, across the whole Patriot community as they start to see the big, big picture and uh, start to copy what's put out here, even. So uh, it's up to you if you want to keep me going. You can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. That's the only income there is, uh, or donations. And you can do so by uh, from the U.S. to Canada. Remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders, or you can send cash or use uh, PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are really, really, really welcome as we go into inflation and a lot more things to come, by the way, too. Because this is the age of transition, remember. This is a time when a very old plan comes into fruition. This is the century of change. All the big boys at academia have been prattling on about it for the last 50 years. And here we are in it now. And the big changes will always be obscure to those at the bottom who have lots and lots of distractions of what's happening today. And that's the technique of this. You understand you're living through massive plans, plans laid out a long, long time ago by organizations that got together in the late 1800s and decided to take over the whole planet, run it properly, rather than have people decide for themselves at the bottom what they want to do, who they want to marry, where they want to live, and what they want to work at. No, they would decide all for you. These boys set up the communist system. They set up, they already were the capitalist system. In fact, they were all international bankers that formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and their sons took over from them. And it's still on the go today. And the American branches and the foreign branches are called councils and foreign relations. So they run the media. They run your entertainment. They run uh, your thoughts for the day. They give you them for sure. Uh, generally, it's just data, data, and useless information. But they will never tell you the big plan that they're working on. And remember, too, to join these big clubs, organizations, you must be asked into it. You can't apply. And before you're asked, these guys would check you out minutely to make sure you've got what they call the right stuff. You keep your mouth shut. And uh, you, would, you would definitely never squeal on the big, big system. Because the public, you see, just like the EU amalgamation, you have to, have to keep it secret until the very, very end, what you're really, really, really up to. That's as simple as that. 
and the public never catch on until it's, it's all up and done, it's finished. They've adapted and adapted to little changes, never seeing the big picture as to where it's all supposed to go, never realizing that a scientific system is bringing them in, the whole world in under this one system to be ruled by your betters, you know, the inbred ones at the top that um, have, have excelled, supposedly, in academia and end up owning corporations across the planet and all the banks as well. Resources too. So now they've just added nations to their, their mission and you're living through these big times. They use bank crashes because they own the banks and then they get us to bail them out and out of it comes further amalgamation and through global institutions which they also own like the United Nations. Back with more on this after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. Often you wonder too what progress really is. I mean, who defines progress? Well, those at the top that devise this big scientific system are the ones who define progress. It's a plan, in other words, and as long as you progress along their plan, it's called progress. That's that simple. Because the general public have no input on anything, actually, today, and they never really had. The whole idea, too, was when even when democracy and the Chartist movement were all being raised in Britain a long time ago, uh, the big boys said, no, we'll never give them anything like that. But what we can give them is a front. Uh, democracy, we'll call it, and we'll give them parliamentarians that they think are going to stand and speak for them. And that stops them from rebelling and all that kind of stuff. And it's been awfully effective up until now. But you've never, you've never consulted on the big, big things like European integration that started off supposedly as just a free, kind of free trade zone. Now all the free trade stuff came from the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations Group. All of it and their own historians have come out with their books years ago talking about this because they have their own version of history since they're behind all the wars, by the way, that you're fighting right now and you've fought through the 20th century. That's what Carl Quigley said. They said, these guys are behind them all. And he thought it was for the greater good, of, of course. And because you can't get things to change along your progressive path unless you make the changes happen. It won't happen unless you get oppositions and conflicts going. Then you guide the change. Now, the change, you get international, well, governments formed like the United Nations, things like that, which you then own as well. But, we, you know, we, we, we watch the, the, the travesties happening our whole lives uh, to different peoples across the planet. Right now, it's Israel and Palestine on the go before I was born. And it's awfully monotonous to see the same things happening over and over and over again. And everyone's so embarrassed that they just want to say anything about it because they've all been conditioned not to say anything about it. That's rather sad. And that's that's a system of supposed free speech, as we call it. What a joke, free speech. But it's selective free speech, isn't it? You can talk about this, but not that. And again, going to even all the, the conditioning you've had to, to, to do with your default positions, as Mr. Sunstein calls it, uh, because they are running you, your thoughts, mind you. The big boys are running your thoughts on every topic, and they can create guilt in you when none should exist at all, and silence you through that. It works awfully well, too. 
and various other topics as well. And even when the topics come up, you get set back to your default position and you blush and you say, oh dear, I wish they'd change the subject. Well, why should you change the subject? Why are you feeling like that? Who's conditioned you? But anyway, back to the same old stuff, the routine, the replays and replays and replays. Uh, I'll put some articles up tonight from press television. It says Israeli forces bomb the gas pipelines in Rafah, it says. And it says, the, it says here that um, the Israeli Air Force has bombed all four gas pipelines bringing Egyptian gas to the besieged Gaza Strip through the Sinai Peninsula. The pipelines were hit in Rafa on Tuesday, starting a huge fire, cutting off one of Hamas's government's main sources of income. The attack comes as the Israeli regime continues its assault on the, the Gaza Strip. It's is brutal assault. It would be brutal. And it says over 150 Gazans, including women and children, have been killed and 1,200 others injured in more than 1,500 Israeli attacks on the besieged Palestinian territory since November 14, 2012. It's kind of like Custer's last stand, if you could actually go back in time and see it all. And, and, and uh, you kind of witness that kind of thing happening. And you, you know what's going to happen in the end and what's supposed to happen in the end. And we go through this this silence, the world the world's silence about it all as we watch this happening. Mind you, if someone's attacked in Africa, we can go over and help them because they're recognised by the United Nations. You see, and uh, interesting too that Palestine again every year they try to get recognition by the United Nations, which is owned by the big boys, so they'll never get it. If they do get um, recognition by the United Nations, they can take their cases to there. And even though they don't want to discuss it at the UN, then they're going to have to, or they're they're showing what they really are to the rest of the world. It's that simple. So this this happens just at the right time, of course, and we're back to square one. Also, too, in South Africa, it says here that um, a jury declares Israel is an apartheid state at the Russell Tribunal meeting in Cape Town. It says the Russell Tribunal in Palestine recently held sessions in Cape Town to assess if Israel's practices against the Palestinian people are a breach of the prohibition on apartheid under international law. On the 5th and 6th November, the jury of the tribunal had many witnesses to testify on apartheid and persecution. The sessions were hosted by District 6 Museum, which is located in the District 6 area of Cape Town. Under apartheid, 60,000 black South Africans were forcibly removed from the District 6 to barren areas outside the city. Bulldozers of the apartheid regime demolished their homes. Does it sound familiar to you? Anyway, the author goes on and writes about what happened there and so on. And if it happens there, it's obviously the same thing happening elsewhere. And also tonight, too, um, the same question. Is Israel an apartheid state? A majority of Jews say yes, it says. majority of Israeli Jews admit they're living in an apartheid state. A recent survey claims many also believe that Palestinians should be denied the right to vote and suggested that Jewish citizens should be given preferential treatment. Some 500 Jewish adults took part in a survey answering questions put together by a group of civil rights activists and academics. Haaretz newspaper reported Tuesday the survey's findings revealed that 39% of respondents believe there's a slight form of apartheid in the country, while 19% admit that there is heavy apartheid. Uh, different questions suggested that the number of those in favour of ethnic segregation is higher, with 74% of those surveyed in favour of separate roads for Jews and Arabs in the West Bank. 
on the contentious issue of the West Bank, 38% of respondents wanted to annex the territories with settlements, and 48% opposed that policy. A following question on voting rights for Palestinians saw 69% of respondents in favour of denying the 2.5 million Palestinians uh, the vote if West Bank territories were annexed. More than a half of those questions said Jews should be given preference over Arabs when applying for jobs in the government sector, and slightly under half favoured legalised discrimination of Arabs, seeing that the state should treat Jewish citizens better than Arab ones. The term apartheid emerged in South Africa in the late 1940s, when the country's ruling national party introduced a policy of strict segregation and the racially based denial of human rights. But nothing will happen all this, as you well know. And and also tonight, too, I put up a, an article that's about people going from the U.S. over for a holiday to, to Israel, and they get to go and uh, fire guns on a firing range with, with Arab paper targets and said how much fun it is. That's how bad it's getting everywhere. Society's finished as far as I'm concerned. And you got to understand where everything's going with this energy policy, energy, world energy. This is an old, old idea. I've mentioned it before uh, some years ago, but technocracy and technocrats. And uh, it's a system devised in the 30s. However, eventually you'll get billed for all the energy you use. That'll be the new type of currency as well, like carbon credits that's coming in big time. And they don't want to talk about it and tell you that's actually what it is. You'll be um, responsible for all the energy that you use during your lifetime. You'll pay for it every month probably. Uh, and just for the privilege of being alive. Or the hell of it, depending, depending on how much you're hammered with. But uh, that's the system that's coming in. Now, as they go ahead with the farce of global warming, again dreamed up by the Club of Rome, who were given the task of finding some excuse to bring this system in, they said they hit upon the idea of global warming, famine and drought, and the like, starvation and like, that would fit the bill, they said. And they don't change their techniques. Once they've decided on something, they go on with it. And I've said before, if God himself came down and said it's all rubbish, it wouldn't matter that they'd have to try and nuke them or something. But anyway, another dissident in Germany speaks up in an open letter. Even warmest science shows there's been no warming. Uh, that's quite interesting. European Institute for Climate Change presents an open letter authorized by a CDU Conservative Party councilman to Hanover Treasurer, Dr. Mark Hansen. It says, dissent is growing and skepticism is taking root in Germany as one prominent figure after another begins to speak out. It all goes back to Professor Fred Singer's visit to Germany 2010, which produced an uproar, especially amongst the Greens and the Socialists. And he, he goes through all the nonsense about it and so on and so on. And it's all nonsense. It can be easily debunked, but it doesn't matter. You've been told by the high priests that run the world that, that you've got to go along with it and believe in it or else... And like Orwell said, how many fingers am I holding up, says O'Brien to, to, to Winston, and you just gotta get it right, you know. Same thing. And another one too on the same topics is my open call to the New York City Police Department to report obvious fraud now in progress at NASA GISS. And this particular, um, man, I wrote to the New York, uh, talking about fraud and so on. So I'm officially reporting to the NYC police, NASA, GISS scientist, James Hansen. Now, everyone should know James Hansen. He's an absolute freako who's been arrested quite a few times for trying to smash down power stations and various things. He also works at NASA, but he wants to return everyone else to the Stone Age, you know, and just have nice 
places to live for people like himself, of course. But it says, uh, for manipulating falsifying U.S. government temperature data with the likely intent to defraud U.S. citizens, he's been caught red-handed by Stephen Goddard and other experts, not just once but on multiple occasions. All witnesses are urged to notify the authorities and to provide evidence of Hansen's activity so that authorities can properly investigate what plainly appears as criminal activity in broad daylight and as duty calls to render protection to the public they're sworn to serve. Then it gives you the evidence. This is Hansen's statement in 1999 on the NASA GISS science briefs. Whether U.S. climate, Hansen writes this. He says, empirical evidence does not lend much support to the notion that climate is headed precipitately towards more extreme heat and drought. So here he is denying what he's saying now. This is the drought of 1999 covered a smaller area than the 1988 drought when the Mississippi almost dried up. And so, so he's, he's debunking himself what he's now claiming, you see. And so he's lying through his teeth. Back with more on this after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about... Mr. Hansen, the famous Mr. Hansen. Remember, all these guys want us to be taxed out of existence because even in Canada, uh, the politician who was attached to the, the Liberal government when uh, it was their time to be in, because they do take turns to, you know, I think toss a coin and, and agree amongst themselves. But anyway, she was in charge of the environment and so on. And she said, it doesn't matter if all the science is fake on climate change as long as we can uh, bring a lot of money in. She said, this will get redistribution of the wealth going across the world. But it's not going to the people, you understand. It's going to the big corporations that are behind all of this. But back to, to Hansen here. And he mentions to say that... Um, it says, in the U.S. there's been little temperature change in the past 50 years, the time of rap- rapidly increasing greenhouse gases, he says. And in fact, there was a slight cooling throughout much of the country. It says, since then, he has since doctored the data and claims today it's now warming rapidly. And it shows you his modern chart as he, as he fudges all his old stuff. And as you compare the above chart to his new doctored chart now being used to defraud the U.S. and the world public. The next chart is a comparator to illustrate Hansen's handiwork in misleading the public. And it goes through that too and shows you how it's being done. And it says, uh, suspect, suspect Hansen is being aided and abetted by a white, balding male uh, donning a goatee who appears to be Hansen's assistant and goes by the name of Gavin. Hansen has already once been arrested by authorities before and it says, and attempted to incite civil disobedience. He seems to think he's above the law. And now what follows is the latest rock-hard evidence of Hansen's data doctoring to produce the warming results he wants to see. And it's got all the stuff to, to show you how he's doctored all the stuff over the years. I'll put that up tonight too for those who care about it. And you'll, you will care once you're handed your, your personal carbon taxes, you know, your, for the privilege of being alive. And <laughs> this article too, uh, I like the, the language of it. It says, come to America to take advantage of our free stuff. That's, I guess everything today is stuff as we get minimalistic in speech. Anyway, 
It talks about a website run by the federal government's Welcome to the USA.gov and encourages new immigrants to the United States to apply for welfare benefits. The website's run by the Department of Homeland Security and says that it's the U.S. government's official web portal for new immigrants. So your tax dollars were used to build and maintain a website that teaches immigrants how to come into the country and sponge a living off the federal welfare programs paid for by your tax dollars. What in the world is happening to us? Says yes, we will always need some legal immigration. We're a nation of immigrants and immigration has been very good to the country. But at a time when there are millions upon millions of American citizens out of work, and at a time when we are absolutely drowning in debt, do we really need to, take, to encourage millions of more immigrants to come over and take advantage of our overloaded social welfare programs? Well, this is what they did all across Europe years ago. And you know, a global system, I hope you understand, is supposed to happen this way. It's, it's, you, you can only abolish nationhood through, through a few different ways. This is also one of them, and part of them, plus massive debt. And then again, like massive debt, you'll have to amalgamate countries like Canada, the U.S., and all of Latin America together into a block and on the road to world government, you see. So it says... Welcome to USA.gov actually encourages new immigrants to apply for food stamps, Medicare, uh, Medicaid, Social Security, supplementary social income, and temporary assistance for needy families. This is, of course, not all immigrants are eligible for all of those programs, but if an immigrant can get over to the U.S. and just get signed up for a couple of programs, they can enjoy a higher standard of living doing nothing here than they can working at a low-paying job back home. It says we've created a perverse system of incentives that makes it very attractive to people all over the world to do whatever they can to hitch a ride on the gravy train and take advantage of all the benefits that they can possibly get. And once immigrants get on welfare, it says many of them never leave. For example, one study discovered that 43% of all immigrants who have been in the U.S. for at least 20 years were still on welfare. We can't even take care of our own citizens, and yet more immigrants hop onto the safety net every single day. At some point, the safety net is going to break, and then we won't be able to take care of the struggling Americans that really need it. Well, that's happened, as I say, across Europe. But that's the agenda. You know, it's an agenda. It's not because they can't count at the top, or that they're stupid. And it says, when I first discovered Welcome to USA.gov, I was absolutely floored. In particular, the page that encourages immigrants to apply for federal welfare benefits is just shocking. It says, here's the opening paragraph. Depending on your immigration status, length of time in the U.S. and income, you may be eligible for some federal benefit programs. Government assistance programs can be critically important to the well-being of some immigrants and their families. Frequently, however, there's a lack of information about how to access such benefits. Benefit programs can be complicated, and you may be given misleading information about how they operate. It also contains a list of links where new immigrants can find instructions about how to apply for programs such as Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, food stamps, supplemental and security income, and temporary assistance for needy families. Then it gives you a whole list of other sites to go into. Plus, you can choose all the languages that you want as well from the government websites. But as I say, it's, it's just um, this is a global agenda, folks. It's, it's, they're not, not you understand. It doesn't matter what party you vote for. It hasn't mattered for a hundred years what party you voted for, because it's the same system that's been happening and being implemented across the world for such a long, long time. And you have to go into all the different international treaties signed at the United Nations to find all of them. There's so many of them. You, you, one person in their lifetime cannot do it. There's too many. 
So you're overwhelmed by the reality at the higher level if you go into it to, to look at it. Uh, and um, as I say, it would take lifetimes, many lifetimes to catch up on what's really going on. And then how would you explain that to the person at the bottom that reads the average daily newspaper? You can't. It's beyond their daily inputs. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're talking about this crazy world we're in because it's, it's crazy like a fox actually. That's why we're overdosed with absolute trivia and the little stories that go, wow, you know, it lasts for five seconds inside your brain again. And the media is very good at giving you all these, these little things that make you go, wow, and they turn them out like crazy. Today there was an article about Madonna, remember the aging Madonna? Trying to outdo the, the young, uh, you know, stage whores that are making, making the money today. And she's got kind of string over her, you know, in between her legs. That's all she's wearing, I think. And even the Daily Mail, I mean, it's living on, on basically soft porn, uh, says, oh, it's, it's just gone too far. So for them to say that, that's saying something. Maybe, of course, they wouldn't object if she was younger. But, um, I mean, Madonna's been the kind of role model for, for a whole generation of women. And that's why they put her out there. Big money put her out there. You don't make yourself a star, you understand. There's a whole mass of machinery behind all of that to make you a star. And uh, and they know where they're taking it to because it's all to do with culture alteration. You see? They, they actually call it the culture industry in Hollywood. Uh, that's what they're, how they refer to themselves. They know what they're doing to the culture and how they bend culture, alter it, and change it. And... And that's why they put Madonna out there. And then, of course, all the people who, who are the fans and see her as a as a, a hero emulate what she does. Look, look at society. Go around. Look at look at the mess of society. And then, of course, Madonna also has to say she's really into cannibalism and stuff like that. Well, her cannibalistic tree has a lot of rotten fruits on it. I think they're rather necrosed with disease. You know, that, that's where she would lead you. If you, if you follow that kind of person. But I'll just mention that. It just put me in mind that when it, of her when I read this story here. Swedish woman is charged with necrophilia after dozens of skeletal parts uncovered in a home. Now, this has been a year for folk eating people, if you've noticed, from the so-called guys who were doing it in the States. They're calling them the, the zombie types. The cops were shooting them couldn't, because it was so hyped up in some drug they claimed, the bath salt thing. And they started eating people and things like that. Then we had the one in Canada who had sex with a fella, uh, another fella, and, and then he ate him uh, and put it up on video, for goodness sake. So this is a, they've, they've achieved every bit that the, that the Frankfurt School said they'd bring society down in order to conquer them. They must destroy the culture completely to conquer and then rule over, you understand? So a Swedish woman is charged with necrophilia after dozens of skeletal parts uncovered in her home. And it says here, that um, a woman in Sweden is accused of necrophilia after they found some hundred skeleton parts. And it says, the Swedish news agency IT, or TT cites prosecutor Christina Ehrenberg Staffas as saying that the 37-year-old woman is suspected of using the remains, which included six skulls and one backbone, in sexual situations. This boggles the mind. I don't want to go there. The woman from southwestern Sweden was charged with violating the peace of the deceased. 
in Gottberg District Court on Tuesday. Like the TT agency reported, the police also found a CD titled My Necrophilia, as well as photographs in which a woman is seen kissing and hugging the skulls. She has denied the charges, claiming she collected the bones out of historical interest. <laughs> well, what else could you dream up if you were caught doing some mad thing like that? Eh? And also, the taser debate goes on. It's not a debate at all. You know, big corporations get whatever they want now because they lobby governments. And they kill folk. They're cattle prods, remember. I've always called them cattle prods. I don't matter, it doesn't matter if they're put on wires or whatever. It's a cattle prod. And that's what they used to use on the beasts, you see. And now you're using them on, on the people because the people now are the beasts. That's what they claim. But they show you, uh, uh the California Highway Patrolman, uh, using a taser on a woman. And then, uh, she goes into cardiac arrest. She's, uh, and actually, her heart stops beating altogether eventually. So, and, and, and again, the, all the PR guys coming in from the big taser company saying, oh, it doesn't cause that at all. It's just coincidence. Everyone, they get and kill for, it's always coincidence, you know. Do you understand what we're told to believe in this crazy world? Do you understand this? And men with straight faces will come on television and tell you, oh, it doesn't kill folk. As you get one after another, you know. That, oh, it does, that's not quite harmless, you know. What rubbish. What rubbish that we even allow this to go on. And, uh, and, and politicians stand up and back it up and, and with straight faces and you vote them back in again. Oh. Now, on Crosstalk, uh, it's from RT, I probably a video up too, a little video on the Israel-Gaza conflict and uh, Norman Finkelstein's in it. And, and he's, he, this is a man who, who doesn't go along with any flow. He, he knows who, he, he knows his own person, who he is, and he sticks by it and he says what he thinks. And, uh, you know, that's something to be admired where a person can truly be an individual. And uh, I'll put this up tonight, and you'll hear him trying to say his piece against the, the, the warmongers. And all this, so this article too, it's called European Foreign Policy and the Euro Crisis from guess who? The guys that run the World Council on Foreign Relations that we don't elect. We don't elect these guys, but they put their politicians and, and bureaucrats into every government across the planet and all the top positions. But they go into the future. And of course, it's the same old, same old mantra they're going into. They can't have all these countries in Europe, basically. Uh, with their different currencies and different uh, levels of integration into the European Union and at nations as well, have, still having nations. So they've got to do away with the nations, integrate them all, have one currency and let the bankers want. After all, they've planned it for a hundred years. Because the Royal Institute for International Affairs planned it. They set up the central banking system and under the, the Bank for International Settlements. That was the 1920s they did that, the BIS in Switzerland. These are where your real rulers are coming from. And then you go into the, the technocrats, you see, that are appointed to rule over countries. We've seen that happen. We have seen that happen. Also, the, uh, this big system must make sure that in a, in a world of interdependence, that means you have no independence, it means that you are dependent for everything you need to survive. There'll be no more gardens one day. There'll be no more uh, little families with, with a, a few chickens and so on because the big boys get uh, the big poultry farms, those big nasty things that they have there. 
And mind you, they give money to, to, to all the politicians. But it says, health risk to poultry farms from the back garden flocks. Ex- experts warn that diseases could easily spread. You know, and these little guys have maybe four or five chickens, you know. It's going to eradicate anything that you can, which can make you independent for, for your food and, and so on. That's, that's a must be in a dictatorship type of world. So it says 500,000 households across Britain pose a major threat to poultry industry, to the big industry, you know. 75 don't comply with regulations on feeding birds, birds chicken waste. Many who keep chickens don't know how to control disease in the birds. Nearly half of flock owners would not see, seek out a vet if chickens became ill. Keeping chickens is also a major risk factor for diarrhea in children. This is all from the big, the big boys, the big corporate boys on the big chicken farms. They want to make sure that, that, that they're the only ones that can sell an egg or even have one, you know. And this is the way the world's going. What can you say? It's, it's the way it's all planned. It's the way it's all planned, folks. Uh, and you will. You'll get fined for trying to plant some vegetables shortly. It's already happened in some cities because you must be interdependent, meaning utterly at the mercy of those who then own everything that you need. That's the technocratic world you're coming into. Also, the Senate wrote, rewrites a bill which lets them read your emails without warrant. So, big deal. Nobody cares. I'll, I'll just put that up tonight, too. And this one here is called Smart Grid, the Implementation of Technocracy. It's not bad. It's got a little bit of the history of technocracy and explains to you what it is for those who care to know. It's according to the United Nations Governing Council of the UN Environmental Programme, our dominant economic model may thus be termed a brown economy. The UNEP's clearly stated goal is to overturn the brown economy and replace it with a so-called green economy. A green economy implies, this is the age of transition, right? This is the decoupling of resource use and environmental impacts from economic growth. These... um, and, and, and inventments, uh, both public and private, provide the mechanism for the reconfiguration of businesses, infrastructure, and institutions. Think about that. The reconfiguration of businesses, that's all businesses. The infrastructure, that's your housing, that's everything, towns we live. Institutions, and for the adoption of sustainable consumption and production processes. And this is sustainable consumption, reconfiguring businesses, infrastructure and institutions. What do these words mean? They do not mean merely reshuffling the existing order, but replacing it with a completely new economic system, one that has never been used before or seen in the history of the world. And this paper demonstrates that the current crisis of capitalism is being used to implement a radical new economic system that would completely supplant it. It's not some new idea created in the bowels of the United Nations. It's a revitalized implementation of technocracy that was thoroughly repudiated by the American public in 1933 in the middle of the Great Depression. The technocrats have resurfaced and they do not intend to fail a second time. Where they succeed this time will depend upon unintended servants of technocracy and the citizens of the world. Indeed, those dark horses of the new world order is not communism, socialism, or fascism. It is technocracy. Actually, it comes from the same group that created all those communism, socialism, and fascism. That was just one more branch of it. They hoped to implement it then, actually. This is founded by Howard Scotton and King Hubbard in 1932 during the Great Depression. Technocracy proposed a radical new solution for the world's economic ills. In 1932, Harry E. Porter wrote in Roosevelt and Technocracy, just as the Reformation established religious freedom and as the Declaration of Independence brought about our political freedom, technocracy promises economic freedom. 
support his plan included abandoning the gold standards, suspending the stock exchanges and nationalizing railroads and public utilities, freedom notwithstanding. Actually, they say they've done the same thing through public-private partnerships. You understand? They've done it. It's very clever. Porter then called for President-elect Franklin D. Roosevelt to be sworn in as dictator rather than president so that he could overturn the existing economic system in favor of technocracy. As drastic as these changes from the present order of things may be, they'll serve their purpose if only to pave the way for the economic revolution and technocracy. If technocracy had truly been extinguished before the onset of World War II, we would not be concerned about it today. However, when Zygmunt Brzezinski wrote the book Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era, in 1968, and I've mentioned that many times on this broadcast, it was essentially a neo-technocratic treatise calling for a fourth and final stage of world history, or the technotronic era. When David Rockefeller picked Brzezinski to co-found the Trilateral Commission in 1973, remember that he was the head then, uh, Rockefeller of the Council on Foreign Relations, it was with a specific goal to create a new international economic order. Have you heard that before? Without some knowledge of history, technocracy, exactly, what is the Trilateral Commission ultimately had in mind? What they had in mind was such a goal could not possibly have been understood. Today it's necessary to rethink these issues in order to determine if this radical movement is still operating, what are their goals, and how did they plan to achieve their goals? Well, they haven't gone away because the Royal Institute for International Affairs were the guys who dreamed the whole idea of technocracy up. They go through phases of, of conflict, through communism, capitalism, merge the two together, you see, down the road, bring in a form of socialism, and then bring in the technocratic era. That's what's happened. You understand? Anyway, says, in Carbon Currency, a New Beginning for Technocracy, the subject of historic technocracy was introduced in the context of altering a new economics, or creating a new economic system based on energy accounting, carbon taxes and so on. Energy accounting rather than price accounting. An energy-based accounting system uses energy certificates or carbon currency instead of dollars or other fiat currencies. Periodic and equal allocations of available energy are made to citizens, but they must be used within the defined time period before they reach an expiration date. That's what Bertrand Russell said in the 1950s. He said a system we brought in based on a form of credits, he said, Everyone would be allowed so many credits, you couldn't save them up and get rich because they'd expire every Monday. That's for you lot down below, of course, not for the ones who run it all. The pressing and unanswered question is how much technocratic system has actually been implemented. The paper that I'm reading here will now address the strategy, tactical requirements and progress of establishing an energy-based technate in North America. Technate is a term used to describe the geographic region operated according to technocracy. Thus, a North American technique would include Canada, Mexico, and the U.S., and they would all be under common control. The requirements of it are the technocracy study course, and that's the name of it, a technocracy study course. You can download that, by the way, and I'll put it up tonight, the links. Written by Howard Scott and M. King Hubbard, and lots of folk will have out in the other shows but by the end of the week. In 1932, established a detailed framework for technocracy in terms of energy production, distribution, and usage. According to Scott and Hubert, the distribution of energy resources must be monitored and measured in order for the system to work. And this is the key, monitoring and measuring. Smart growth, folks, smart meters, smart everything, eh? They wrote that the system must do the following things. Register on a continuous 24-hour per day basis the total net conversion of energy. By means of the registration of energy converted and consumed, make possible a balanced load. Provide a continuous inventory of all production and consumption. 
provide a specific registration of the type, kind, etc. of all goods and services where produced and where used. They've all got barcodes now. Provide specific registration of the consumption of each individual. Have you got that, folks? Plus a record and description of the individual. And that came from Scott Howard and so on, a technocracy and study source. This is in 1932, such technology did not exist. Time was on the technocrat side, however, because this technology does exist today, and it's been rapidly implemented to do exactly what Scott and Hubert specified, namely to exhaustively monitor, measure, and control every ampere of energy delivered to consumers and businesses on a system-wide scale. I'll also add to that every calorie, because you'll be paying for everything that way. It's all energy, food too. What's a smart grid? It says smart grid is a broad technical term that encompasses the generation, distribution and consumption of electrical power with inclusion for gas and water as well. America's aging power grid is increasingly fragile and inefficient. Smart grid is an initiative that seeks to completely redesign the power grid using advanced digital technology, including the installation of new digital meters on every home and business in the U.S. These digital meters provide around-the-clock monitoring of a consumer's energy consumption using continuous two-way communication between the utility and the consumer's property. Furthermore, meters will be able to communicate with electrical devices within the residence to gather consumption data and to control certain devices directly without consumer intervention. According to a U.S. Department of Energy publication, it says the Department of Energy has been charged with orchestrating the wholesale modernization of our nation's electrical grid. Heading this effort is the Office of Electricity Delivery and Energy Reliability, that's what it's called. In concert with its cutting-edge research and energy policy programs, uh, the the, the office newly formed multi-agency smart grid task force is responsible for coordinating uh, standards developed, guiding research and development projects, and reconciling the agendas of a wide range of stakeholders. I've got all the links for this too from the government. It says this is a relatively new initiative, but it's racing towards at breakneck speed. It says that the Office of Electricity Delivery was created in 2000 under Bush and elevated in signature in 2007 by creating the position of Assistant Secretary of Electricity Delivery and Energy Reliability to head out. Brand new office. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and just before I take a caller, just to mention, this is an article you've got to read, I'll put up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and it's the implementation of technocracy for those who don't understand what's really going on. For those who really want to know know what's going on, they will read it, and the ones that are wanting to see Madonna's G-string will probably be into that instead. That's unfortunate truth of, of society as we know it today. But don't forget this article. It's a very important one because that's what you're going into under many different guises and names. Now, there's Alex from Vancouver on the line. Are you still there, Alex? I'm here. Yes, go ahead, Alex. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I have to catch up uh, on the archives to your shows because I was unable to uh, listen to them on my brand-new iPhone 4S, which I had to buy because my other one fell in a bucket of water while washing the Cadillac. Yeah. Um, and uh, so... Um, I have to say that your last week's shows were fantastic. I was just, uh, I really miss listening to them all the time, but I, I, I got caught up. And, um, I'd like to encourage people to, uh, support Alan and send, uh, send him support because 
he's gone out of his way to tell us everything we need to know to prove what is going on in the world right now to the people that really uh, need to know the most. And uh, so you've got all the information at your fingertips. Um, and I'm also saying that uh, electronic censorship, sabotage, and attack has gone, and uh, incapacitation of activists, dissidents, whistleblowers, and investigative journalists, and otherwise targeted individuals is on a massive rise. Mm-hmm. And we need to stick together. And uh, I really want to say thank you very much for everything you're doing, and we hope to keep you on the air forever. Yeah, that's a, that's a good plug. Thanks very much. I don't plug myself at all, really. But uh, it's funny you mentioned that last part because I read an article today that um, the U.S. Cyber Force has been given even more permission to go after all their enemies. And, of course, they have been hacking domestic computers for years uh, for those who, who are active and who are speaking out and so on. But we expect a lot more to come as we go into this completely totalitarian system. Uh, so that is actually happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even my even my speed here is, is is slowed down half of what it used to be. Yeah. What, what I've noticed is that uh, the NDAA seems to line right up with Brzezinski's tectonic uh, technotronic grid. Yes, it does. They have the ability to kill us with the twist of a button. So because uh, the NDAA allows them to arrest, uh, interrogate, which means torture and mm-hmm. assassinate uh, people, they can actually do that with no excuse or explanation or a due process of law. Well, this technotronic grid gives them that opportunity to do so while we're in our homes using their technology, which is allegedly here for our convenience. That's right. He he mentioned the technotronic era. He he also said, too, that uh, they could actually... They had it it back then in the 1970s when he wrote the book. He said, we can literally put ELF across the whole continent and make people very passive if we want to even put us to sleep if they want to, and, uh, and and be very obedient because it pulses on certain frequencies of the brain. It's so far advanced, this thing. And here you've got the equipment in your home now, and whatever you're using, whatever you're ne- they actually know what you're near, even even your iron or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and they can pulse things through you, absolutely. There's no way, you understand, that warfare departments would ever let the opportunity go where they can actually use this stuff on individuals across the whole country and across the world just by literally altering the currency frequencies, uh, just minutely, because we work on a molecular level at very, very minute currents, and they've admitted that they can actually alter our chemistry as we're sitting next to certain items. So you're, you're right on with that. That's their perfect world. Thanks for calling. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.